Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Repo Nerds, restoring nerd credibility one geek person at a time. And I am the head huntress of the sexy witches. And yet, no, normally this would be the time that you would listen to a sexy witches podcast live on Blog Talk Radio. But tonight we're doing a switcheroo for a lot of reasons. And one is promote the second spinoff podcast that I've been doing now for about a year, but it's a brand new version of it with a brand new co-host. This is our second episode, and so go back. If you're looking on my thread, you'll see Repo Nerds 2.0, which was a talk about the Mads Milkinson, but this one today, we're going to hit it all the way across the park to the other end of the spectrum and talk about some really weird shit. But before we do that, let me introduce my co-host, Dariva Rhodes, my new adventure partner on this endeavor, uh, from Charleston, West Virginia, in the middle of nowhere, but a culturally cool nowhere. Uh, you know, actually, it's not that bad there. I kind of like Charleston. Uh, so but please welcome to the show my new partner in crime in Charleston, West Virginia, Steve Wadling. How you doing, sir? Hey there, Huntress. I am fantastic. How are you? Fine. I'm glad to hear from you, and I'm glad we're having our second episode of Repo Nerds. How do you feel? We are I now am... officially into the season. I know. It's hard to believe. It was upcoming and then we're off of that hill and here we go we're just we're flying now i feel like you know the the starter rocket has left us and we are into the outer space fantastic so uh we are going to tonight i actually we got to talk a lot i I first have to apologize to you for what i knew i I put you through this week for our episode of repo nerds but before we get Uh into that and what we're talking about tonight um, what, how has your last two weeks been? Is there anything you've seen or news to report before we move on? Um, I uh, am, in, in that, did I have seen or in my life personally in the past two Yeah, weeks, uh, you don't have to I, talk about personal yeah. lives. This is, this is no, a safe no. space. This is so a I'm safe space. So I'm glad to hear yes. you are feeling better. So I'm, yes, I'm, I am better. Yeah. I am fine. I have been enjoying, I have been enjoying the Spanish cinema. I have been uh, just following deep headlong into it, to be honestly, and I've been writing a lot for 25 years later and other than that 
uh, that's about it. Yeah, that's right. And so well, real quick, let people know, because once again, this is only our second episode, and people might know, know you as well. Tell them a little bit about your uh, your blogging on that 25 years later and what you do now. Sure. Thank you for the plug, too. Yeah, shameless plug time. I write for a site called 25 Years Later, Damn Fine TV and Cinema. They started out as a obvious or obvious to fans out there as a Twin Peaks and David Lynch site and they expanded from there uh, some of the gifts that uh, good gifts that have been gotten there recently they uh, scored an interview with Phil Noble Jr. Uh, over at Fangoria they've spoken with Mark Frost They uh, so there's a lot of as we're expanding and trying to figure it out they're just uh, they're, they've they're looking for writers and people, so if anybody out there listening wants to write about any film and TV that you're obsessed about and want to talk about, come on over. Yeah, please. Just, they'll love, they love, especially if you're a David Lynch fan over there. And, you know, and it made oh, yeah. me realize since I am on a new adventure, you know, and the, the, the for people that don't know, the format of Repo Nerds is a little bit different than – Sexy mm-hmm. Witches. Sexy Witches is more of a pop culture show. We talk about current events, things like that. This is more of a review, traditional review show. Um, but the, the, the twist is that one or both of us have to have a first watch in each subject. So sometimes I might challenge him to watch something and, or he'll challenge me to watch something. This week it was my challenge to watch him to watch something and I crash coursed him on not one but three films, which is a mm-hmm. very abusive thing to do, especially since I made him watch three films of, get this, Pedro Almodovar, and I only watched one. (laughs) (laughs) So, there was that. Three Uh, times the fun. Oh, yeah. So, uh, we'll get to that in a moment, but, um, you know, uh, so pretty soon he's going to have to challenge me. And here's something he will probably end up challenging me on, because get hold on to your butt, Mr. Steve Wandling. Guess what I'm going to tell you. Uh Uh-oh. What? You're gonna, you're gonna be in shock. What? I'm I holding my nev- I have owned the soundtrack, but I have never seen Twin Peaks. What? No way! Wow. Okay, I'm glad I was holding on to my butts because yes, of course I will challenge you to watch Twin Peaks. <laughs> uh, the series you'll I, have to. We'll, we'll have I to want, do a whole I talk on. I want to caveat that a little bit. I know a lot about it. <laughs> There's a bar here yeah. nearby that looks just like the Red Room in the Twin Peaks. Matter of fact, if you ever come visit me, I'll take you there for dinner. We'll go. It's in Baltimore. Oh my gosh! It's called the amazing. It's called the Windless. It's awesome. Um, you know, so um, so cool. I I am a huge fan of Kyle MacLachlan, and I've seen almost every other David Lynch film that exists, and I've seen episodes right. of Twin Peaks in every season the deep too. Dive. Right. I've never seen Fire Walk with Me. Um, That's my favorite. That may be my favorite I, film of the '90s. I, I've seen one. I've seen maybe one, maybe two scenes tops of that movie. I've seen. I saw the Michael Sarah episode of the new season this year. Oh so like yeah, happened, Wally Brand. So I happened to hit the best episode on accident. It turns out people say it's hilarious. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so I, I'm not like I'm a virgin. Twin Peaks. Right. But no, I have never sat down and watched it from beginning to end. 
And I love the soundtrack. I think especially the first season soundtrack is one of the most beautiful scores I think in a TV show ever. And and you oh, know, I agree. yeah. So mm-hmm. so yes. Totally. That's I'm not ready to do that one yet. I'm gonna have yeah, to be in it, a really I'll have weird it on the mood. Back burner. But yeah. I'll have ver- it boiling in the pot though. That is definitely going to be an episode down the road, probably summer or after. Maybe I'll end the season with oh, it. Yeah. You know, Perfect. so, you know. Yeah. I, I'll do, but anyway, so I thought That's I would tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. There's not that you can go back to your friends and say that, you know, I'm a heretic, you know. <laughs> I, no, yeah. it's okay. It's Shame. fine. You've seen, you know, I, I Shame. the movie, so you're fine. You're Shame. Fine. <laughs> Shame. 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 See, even I get the shame bell. When you can you give know. it to yourself, you know that, that you're, a true, you're a true hero when you can give it to yeah, yourself. Yeah, so I, I, I will let you know. So anyway, so before <laughs> we get into our topic tonight of uh, Pedro Almodovar, I want to let our audience know that this is actually one of two back-to-back episodes this week in the, our love for Latin Cinema Week for Valentine's Day. Also, I happen to be leaving on a trip to Barcelona this Saturday. So I have been prepping the shit out of myself by watching a lot of my favorite films based around Spanish directors, Latin languages, and stuff like that. So I thought, hey, Pedro Almodovar is not exactly the most traditional Valentine's Day thing, but, you know, he definitely... It's right in there. <laughs> so, so I thought we'd talk about him tonight because every film geek should see at least four of his films of his catalog. At least, I think so. I mean, there's so many yeah. good films there. Uh, but Valentine's yeah. Day is coming up. But this has been kind of a sad season for the geeks this year. Um, already in month, we lost three giants of genre cinema. Uh, and so we've been kind of really, really sad. Uh, a couple of we- yeah. uh, week ago, we lost Julie Adams, who was the scream queen for uh, Creature of the Black Lagoon. A uh, wonderful woman. Oh, my God. Um, and then we so lost sad. right after her, almost immediately, we lost Dick Miller, right? Or, you know, we lost oh, Dick Miller. Gosh. The genre king. Oh. One of those character actors that... I was looking at his catalog, Steve. He had like over 147 credits, <clears throat> you know, and mm. and it goes all the way back to 1957. Yeah, man, it, it, uh, it's un, uh, it's just so sad. I mean, so many roles just, bring, you know, it's crazy. And then right after that, we lost Albert Finney, who not just the mm. geek world, but the entire world cried over. I was crying oh. at my desk. It ruined my morning. Yes. <laughs> I don't usually get that fucked up. I usually go, oh, that's sad, but I got to keep moving, right? I got more yeah. fucked up than when I've actually had relatives die. <laughs> that was how hard it hit. Uh, it was like, oh, my God. And I'm not the it's only funny, one. man. Mm. It so, killed me. I, you know, I remember seeing Big Fish of him, and I that movie had a special place emotionally for me, and his role in it. And my gosh, I I was the same way. I was just torn you know, down about I, Albert Finney. I just realized, on a side note, if the more glamorous version of you was playing your biopic, Eric Bana would probably be on the short list for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
I think that. All right. I'll take uh, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, because they're always going to be hotter than us, right? You know, whoever plays right, that is right. always going to be hotter than us. But but mm. Eric Bana, yeah, I can see that. You guys kind of got the same build and the hair. Yeah, I work. You should. You know, I actually he uses my workout routine. Actually, you, oh, does you, he? You, you've got you, yeah. You let my secret out. I, he actually came oh. to me for advice on the uh, actually not not the Hulk but Munich on his performance. So we we've worked oh, together I before. See. Well, yeah. you should have warned him that the Credible Hulk was not going to be what he thought it was. That's your fault I, then. Exactly. I know. You know I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. Shame. No, I'm not getting the shame bell right now. But but so. In honor of our favorite geek people that passed in the last week, I was thinking we should, for our recommend segment, which we'll do right now, we should talk about films that are appropriate for Valentine's Day from our wonderful people who passed on. So would you like to start, Mr. Wandling, or should I start? Mine's pretty obvious, but, you know, you've got at least one film you're going to talk about. I can talk about one really quickly here. Okay. Um, so, yeah, uh, speaking of Mr. Albert Finney, um, if um, um, if you uh, – gosh, if you're looking for something uh, romantic to watch on Valentine's Day that's not a typical fair, 1967, uh, he and Audrey Hepburn, one – I'm sorry, two for the road. And uh, it has a great um, score from, oh, gosh, Henry Mancini. And um, it is in. It's a couple, just briefly, that goes to. Uh, without spoiling anything, it's funny. It's a dramedy. Uh, it's a couple that's been together, married for a decade plus, I think, and uh, they go to the uh, south of France to try to repair their marriage. They're both having affairs, and uh, hilarity kind of ensues while you know they kind of work through the complications of uh, marriage. So yeah, two for the road. Check it out. That sounds nice, and um, that sounds right out the alley, actually, you know, because uh, I was thinking also, and we're talking about Miss Julie Adams, I mean, the ultimate lover in horror oh. genre is Creature from the yes. Black Lagoon. It's inspired mm-hmm. a thousand other ideas from beyond, and um, including The Shape of Water, which won Best Picture last year, though arguably I would say Creature is a better film. So you just told me, Mr. Man, that you have not seen oh. Creature from the Black Lagoon, right? There went all my horror credibility out the window. Yeah, yes, never... out the window. Shame. You do get a shame, shame. for that. <laughs> shame. Because oh. I also know that you have a shame. Copy of it. Shame. Yes. Okay. Shame. You get a less loud bell because you have a copy <laughs> of it. But, um, but yeah, yes, so, I do own it. So I, Julie Adams' performance in Creature of the Black Lagoon is a little different than most Scream Queens. First of all, uh, she didn't look like the bombshells or, or the innocent girl like you would get, like Elizabeth of Frankenstein or the beautiful, beautiful chicks you're getting in the um, Dracula films, right? She's actually, she's very sporty. She's got black hair. She feels like she's part of the crew and not just window dressing, even though, believe me, there's plenty of window dressing uh, going on with her swimming around in scantily, what they called scantily clad uh, swimsuits in those right. time periods. <laughs> um, the makeup is the best 
Okay, this is what, uh, matter of fact, um, Millis, oh, oh my God, I should be more prepared than this. Okay, a lot of people think that the makeup was done by a oh, Westmore. Westmore family is way famous, okay? Um, and Westmore did right. do um, the makeup somewhat. He was in charge of it. But the person who actually designed the makeup for the Creature Black Lagoon was named Millicent Patrick, and she... Did, did not get the credit, even though, and it was Bud Westmore, by the way, who ends up being um, uh, Michael Westmore's father, who did the Star Trek co- series makeup. Um, and then yeah. and then his daughter goes on to be the host of Face Off on Sci-Fi. So there's the Westmore right. family. So, so wow. you know, I'm not taking away from the Westmore family because they are a talented, amazing people, and I love makeup. But Millicent Patrick, the designer of the creature, the Black Lagoon costume, and she was kind of a genius. I mean, it's, it's the costume still holds up. The guy had to swim in that shit. Uh, and, um, <laughs> you know, and they are finally, get this, making a biopic of her about her. So, uh, you know, well overdue to see Millicent Patrick get her due on the Creature Black Lagoon. That's fantastic. Yeah, and the movie is great. Um, It's it's classic, classic horror tropes. You know, um, there's some empathy to the character because he's just fucking minding his own business. And then these white people come into his swamp and it's just like, fuck you. I'm trying to chill here. Oh, but you got this beautiful woman. Um, they're sparingly with the monster. You only get to see him full-bodied once in a while, but the way they do it, the timing is great. Um, it's short and tight all the way through. Uh, great swimming underwater photography. Everything you'd want in a fun little, yes. you know, one hour and six minutes is very, very short. Uh, a creature oh, from yeah. the Black Lagoon, and then that. there's... Yeah, and there's sequels after it. Um, the Return of the Creature, the second one, is the first film I ever saw in red and uh, blue uh, 3D. So, oh, um, wow. You know, yeah, so I, I always have a, a soft spot for the sequel. The sequel is actually almost as good, maybe arguably better than the first movie in the sense that it has more of a story. The first movie is pretty simple. Uh, but at the same time, I really appreciate the simplicity of it. Um, and especially those early Universal movies, how they didn't let a lot of extras, they let the makeup speak for itself, and they didn't let a lot of the extra stuff around it just, you know, overshadow it, overshadow their monster. And, right. and, and he arguably might be one of the most fun, realized monsters in the uh, universe, Universal universe. So I, I would love to see, I, I, you can see why Guillermo del Toro was totally inspired by um, Creature from the Black Lagoon. I wish I liked Shape of Water more than I do. I don't really like Shape of not, Water very you much. You didn't like Shape of Water, did you? See, I really liked it on first watch, but uh, I have to, and I'm a huge Del Toro fan, but I have to tell you, I went back to it, and it didn't hold up for me as well as I uh, had hoped that it would. I, well, we'll talk about this, and of course, I don't know if you're you're welcome to join us tomorrow on this conversation tomorrow, but I don't always right. enjoy every Guillermo del Toro film. Uh, not all of them in the last right. couple of years I've enjoyed. I, Pacific Rim was kind of pedestrian, I thought, and uh, um, yeah, Shape and of Water. Thing, it was so hard to get into. Shape of Water was one script short of a rewrite. I think that if it, ha- I think it was almost there. 
I mean, production design, oh, my God, yes. You know, everything yes. about the production is amazing. Uh, I have tried to watch Crimson Peak now three times. Actually, no, five times. And I've fallen asleep every fucking time I've tried to watch it. I don't know why. Um, well, you're not missing much. I have to say it's it's another one of, like you said about Shape of Water, I think Crimson Peak even more so. The production design is beautiful to look at, but there's just, it, it there's nothing there. There's no soul, it feels like. I mean, I get what he's going for, but I don't think he quite got there. I, I Same with Shape of Water. I I mean, everything about it should have been, Everyone, the the per, the stars in it, Michael Shannon's in it, you know, uh, you know, the, yeah. the makeup, Doug Jones, the production design, you know, Alexander Desplat even wrote a halfway decent score. Actually, the score bothers me on that one. I'm not a huge fan of Alexander Desplat, uh, but um, you know, but it works nah. in the movie, right? It, it, you know, I like yeah. that they use a uh, glass harmonica. In um in it, which is a a a seventeenth century instrument made of glass. Oh, eighteenth cool. uh, century. Yeah, so they use that. That's where you you hear it in the score, and that part's cool. I like that he used that. Yeah. In fact, um, uh, over the shutdown, I actually recorded a podcast with Moxie LaVelche here in D.C. Um, and uh, did a, a small bit about the glass harmonica, and I talked about the shape of water score. Uh, it's just kind of coincidence that. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> That's so, very anyway. cool. A yeah. Glass so, harmonica. do you have any other suggestions? Do you have one for Dick Miller? I know you're looking for one for Dick Miller. Well, Dick Miller, um, it doesn't necessarily tie in with Valentine's Day. It's just one of my favorite movies, if that's okay. Um, uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, Dick, when I was a kid, and I was so happy. If you First of all, if you haven't seen the documentary Horror Noir on uh, Shudder, it is fantastic. And uh, it, it, it reminded me of how much when I was a kid I loved Tales from the Crypt presents Demon Knight with uh, Jada mm-hmm. Pinkett and Billy Zane. And Dick Miller is uh, in that as one of the side people. And it's just a fun, you know, it is what it is. It's like an hour and a half long episode of the show. I'm sure a lot of people that grew up in the 90s saw it. But uh, it just, uh, that documentary uh, talked about how Pinkett was one of the first um, uh, black women, uh, women of color, that uh, um, was a final girl, which was really interesting. But, yeah, uh, Dick Miller's great in that. And he's, or... You know, basically any of those creature features or the, you know, the burbs. There's just so many choices with Miller. Just go find a Dick Miller film. <laughs> Wasn't he in also, I think he actually does have one tie-in. I might be wrong about this. Was it him? Was he in St. Valentine's Day Massacre or was that Albert Finney? Ooh, I, th- oh, I want to say it was him. Hmm. Which is not a romance, but it is tied to Valentine's Day. It is a gang movie. That's true. That's true. That's a good recommendation. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right. That's a good one. Oh, my God. St. Valentine's Day Massacre. He wasn't credited. Yeah. I I don't know why I knew that. Maybe I read it before. That's crazy. (laughs) He's not even credited. He's not even credited. He's just there. Yeah, no, I'm looking at it. He was in... Oh my God, he was in the he was in the fucking Dirty Dozen that same year and not credited for that either. Like two amazing movies. How can that even be? That's insane. 
Oh my God. Dick Miller, rest like in him. peace, my sir. We miss you already. Oh. Everything. Mr. Futterman was the ultimate backstory oh, exposition dude ever. Loved his gremlin speech when he was drunk. <laughs> affected my ass so much. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, you know, oh, uh, even his little cameo in Choppy Mall is great. I mean, if I miss his <laughs> oh, ass. Yeah. Oh my god! And Albert Finney was fucking Daddy Warbucks. But you know, it's not just Daddy Warbucks. You know, my favorite. It, it so happens my favorite performance of Albert Finney's is another musical of his. Actually, uh, is Scrooge uh, from early seventies. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, he was only yeah, thirty when he did right. it. Uh, You know, uh, fantastic. It's so good. It's the best musical version of Scrooge there is. There's a couple musical versions. Most of them suck. This one's good. Thank You Very Much is a great fucking song. So um, have you seen the Albert Finney version of Scrooge? I know of its existence. I did not know that he was 30 when he did it. Sorry, I was was stuck on that fact in my head. I That's know. A hell of a role to blow take your mind. He was only thirty when yeah. he did that role. I mean, that's insane. I mean, that, yeah, but you know, that just speaks to Albert Finney's greatness, I guess. And no, I, I uh, the only Scrooge musical I saw was much more recent. It was really bad, and I was trying to oh, place it. It may have been an NBC thing. Was it the remember. Kelsey Grammer one? Oh yes. Oh no. Oh yes. That was so bad. Oh, oh it was yeah. so bad. No, that one oh, is painful. No. No, 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 no. Put that one out of your mind. It would yes, maybe gone. when we get closer to Christmas, maybe I'll have we'll do a um a Christmas carol challenge cuz I've seen almost oh, every version good. of Christmas carol there exists. So, may and I've been wanting to talk There's about a Christmas one. carol. Yeah, there's one that stands out to me, which is the uh, I'm sh- you've probably seen it, the George C. Scott one. Terrified me as a kid. That one is the one that stuck with me. I, it was it was not long before he died, and I've never seen it since, so I don't know how popular it was. I want to say it was a Disney production, but I'm not sure. But uh, which one? It, it, they, uh, the the George C. Scott starring one. Oh no! It was it was produced. I know exactly that one. That was from 1984. It's my favorite version. Um, it was uh, too. Produced by, it scares me so much. Sorry. Yeah, and IMDb. Uh, it's it's what was it? I was IBM produced it. Believe it or not, it was sponsored by coffee machines and computers, if I remember right. Because <laughs> I actually had it on VHS. I taped it off the television and wore it out. Um, it is the sec. It and the. It and the Albert Finney Scrooge are my two favorite versions of Christmas Carol by far. And they also. Hello. Hello. Hi, guys. All right. Hi. Uh, little evil genius. She's going to bed. So, uh, but, uh, but uh, what was that? Those are also really good faithful habitations. Both of them are. Um, yeah. I, and, and, and that's what I love. So the Scourge one wins out just a little bit more because I always give an extra point if you keep the hellscape sequence in your version of Scrooge. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That one so, scared me as a kid, though. I just remember it being so much darker than oh, a lot of the, Like the, you said, it's Christmas more faithful. Yet to Come is so good in the George C. Scott yeah. version. Oh, gosh. He's scary. really good. Scared me. Oh, he's scary as fuck. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I, I like the one in, in the Scrooge version too. And like I said, they actually, he gets cast to hell and they do a whole sequence of him getting cast to hell, which is cool. So oh, and it's cut great. out of, you gotta have it's that. cut out of some versions though. So you have to like some TV editors just cut that whole sequence out. So you have to go look for it. Uh, but you got to go all the way there though, for the full redemption. Well, I mean, her. people haven't read the book, and they read the book. They, you know, it is a ghost story. It's a scary story. There are ghosts. There are devils. Right. There are demons. There are thieves. Uh, you know, there are drug Absolutely. use. Absolutely, it's scary. Implied. It's a horror you know, story. It's Victorian England. Of course, it sucks. Yes. <laughs> so it was, it was dirty and <laughs> filthy and dangerous. <laughs> all right. Well, we're getting off topic because it's actually Valentine's Day. But there, um, go yeah. go watch Dick Miller and um, anything he's done, and Albert Finney and Julie Adams didn't do as much as them, but what she has done is marked she marked horror forever and gave us one of our first truly credible screen queens that had their own voice and their own character and did their own what they wanted in in a in a, in a movie, which in those days may not sound like much, but for us it meant a lot. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You know, of course, in the eighties, it takes a step back, but we will forgive the slash oh, for that and talk about them another huge time. Step back. Huh. Yeah, huge, huge step back. back. Uh, that's another film I haven't seen all the way through. I haven't seen My Bloody Valentine. Speaking of which, oh, I've you know, seen... I'm about to write a. The... Oh, sorry. No, I'm. I, that's weird. You mentioned it. I'm actually doing a paper on the remake uh, for the site. Someone called the original, and so I'm doing the remake. I've seen part of the remake, and actually, I thought it was pretty good. I was regretting not seeing it in 3D, actually. It was great in 3D. It's the most fun I ever had at a 3D, because I usually don't like 3D. It, for some reason, doesn't usually work well. Uh, um, I don't know what's wrong with my vision, but uh, uh, it doesn't seem to work that well. But, um, yeah, that one was great. I had a lot the kills. were It, it was just right. It depends on it depends on the type of 3D and what its intentions are. If it's going to be good or not, I, I I'm very selective of what I see in 3D and what I don't. Not just because it's more expensive, because right now everything is more expensive around here to go see a movie in the theaters. They just converted all my theaters to those damn XT blah 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 seat loungy things. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and and a lot of people are like, well, that's fine. I love advanced seats. I hate it. I hate advanced seating. I don't give a fuck about advanced seating. I have to buy my tickets in advance like and that. pick my fucking <laughs> seat at my computer before I'm there. Fuck that shit. Nuh-uh. You know? This, like it's a fucking uh, concert? Yeah. Like, really? Yes, wow. See, now that stupid. makes me kind of happy to live in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> that kind of, we just have a multiplex. I warn you, it's becoming the norm. They're doing it in a lot uh. of different theater chains. It's, it's, it's bullshit. Um, and some people like it because, you know, like my, my friends that like, like, you know, that don't socialize except for movies, they like it. Right. You know, they have a movie pass and they're just, they go by myself. Now, I appreciate going alone. I like going to movies by myself. But at the same time, I like. I, I also am a spontaneous movie person when it comes to theatrical releases. There's movies I want to see in theaters, and if I can fit it in, I'm like, oh, I got time tonight. I'm going to go, right? I, I don't want to, like, sit at my desk right. and think about, oh, well, six hours from now, what am I going to be doing? You know, not when it comes exactly. to movies. Especially when there's Me so either. much competition uh, and- on my computer. So exactly. I was going to say the same thing. There's so much on my – when we got the flat screen here – 
and got the Roku hooked up. I sound like such a hillbilly, I'm sure. But when I got it at my apartment, I uh, just the options with I pay for a lot of streaming services. I'm happy with what I have, and it just I I love going to the movies. But you're right, I'm so much more selective now than I used to be because there is so much competition. Well, like. I had to go see the uh, Into the Spider-Verse movie in the theaters in 3D. I knew that was going to be a treat. Even my husband, who doesn't give a shit about Marvel, was like, we got to go see this in the theaters in 3D. And so we all went. And that was phenomenal. Uh, And I saw Gravity in the theaters in 3D and IMAX because I was like, that's a movie you want to see. Because honestly, I don't think Gravity holds up. I didn't think it would. I I feel instantly dated. Um, Instantly dated. I agree. I agree. But, I but loved it, it in the was theater. amazing to look at. <laughs> so oh, yeah. there's that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel know. Roma's going to, well, I don't want to talk, I don't want to jump into Roma so quickly from there, but I just, uh, I, Caron, uh, Children of Men's one of my favorite movies, but since then it's just seemed, I haven't, you know, enjoyed uh, it. Roma much. is really good, but it, like I said, I think I'm pretty sure, and I'll talk about this more in detail tomorrow. Um, it's a love letter to yeah. Adel Javita. And my husband was like, you're right. And then he pointed out to me that they both end on beaches as well. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm right. It is That's right. You are right. It's like, it's a You're complete right. tribute to La Dolce Vita without being anywhere near the story, but the style is what it is, you know, how it's shot, the way it yeah. looks, the verite yeah, style, is, you know, pretty. Yeah. Very pretty. It's, pre- um, it's very pretty to look at. Some of the shots are unforgettable. I'll, you know, um, I do think the story kind of comes up short. Um, but boy was 2018, uh, a year of dead babies. Wow, I mean, yeah. I'm not going to get into spoiler, yeah. but I don't know how many of movies I saw last year where they whacked or children died, you know. And and, and I Hollywood, actually encourage that. Kids. No, no, don't you stop calling that. killing kids. No, 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 keep killing kids. No, no, Hollywood, don't listen to him. <laughs> keep killing kids uh, because if you kill a kid in your screenplay, that means all bets are off the table. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Or if you kill a dog, if it's John Wick's dog. Ah. All right. Well, speaking of killing kids, bad segment, segue, but I had to try. Oh. <laughs> let's talk oh, about, let's let take hang. a quick three-minute Pedro Almodovar break. Listen to him win yeah. the Oscar in 2000. All right. And then we're going to come back and we are going to talk about, let's start with film you saw the most recent. We're going to start with talk to her and work your way back. All right. All right. Sounds great. All right. Let's we'll be back in a little under four minutes if I can find the right file because I'm late. There we go. Like every year, Mr. Oscar is ready to take a trip far away from this land. The candidates are already awarded by having been selected. However, only one will take him home tonight. Here are the nominees for Best Foreign Language Film. From Spain, All About My Mother, Pedro Almodóvar. From Nepal, Caravan, Eric Valli. From France, East-West, Régis Dagnier. 
From the United Kingdom, Salomon and Gaynor, Paul Morrison. From Sweden, Under the Sun, Colin Natty. And the Oscar goes to... Pedro! All about my mother. This is Spain's 18th nomination and the second for director Pedro Almodovar, who was nominated in 1988 for his film Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. My God, don't you think they are one of the more beautiful couples, at least Spanish couple? You know, I'm, I come from a um, country, from a culture very different than this, and, you know, in that country now is six years in the morning. So let me dedicate this to the Spanish people that are watching TV now, and they sacrifice their money just to look you and me with this. I mean, this is for Spain. I'm going to be very quick. So if you have to applaud, you also have to be very quick. Uh, you know, I also want to, to thank my, my sister, Maria Jesus and Antonia, for the amount of candles that they lit to their favorite saints during the last months. You know, culture different. Uh, thanks to the, to the Virgin of Guadalupe, uh, the Virgin of La Cabeza, the Miraculous, the Sacred Heart of Mary, uh, Saint Judas Tadeo, and uh, Jesus de Medinaceli. I told you that we, we live in a different country, in a different culture. Uh, Harvey Weinstein, well, listen, so for just to have the one idea what consists my sister's Oscar campaign, you know, they, they just uh, lighted a lot of candles to these saints presided by a photograph of my mother with Penelope and me uh, next to a twig of laurel which brings good luck. So I think now I'm going to believe in all this. Well, excuse me, thanks, thanks to Sony Classic, because really they believe a lot in, in our movie. Well, I'm very quick anyway, and of course, I... to my brother, and to all of us, and to all the Spanish people. Yep, that last part was Penelope Cruz literally dragging him off stage. Just so you know. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, but Pedro Almodovar. Okay. So the t- the main films we're talking about tonight will be I watched for the first time Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown from 1999, which he was his first. Uh, nominee for Best Foreign Language Film. And then uh, he wins in, uh, what was it, 2000? What was it? 2000? No, what was it? Oh, no, I'm sorry. We're not on the verge of 1988. In 1999, All About My Mother, he wins the award. And that's what we just heard was in 2000, that award. All About My Mother, we're going to save that for last because that was the main one. And I know that one in many ways affected you the most. And so we're going to save that one for last. So I think let's start with the two semi-horror films first. 
And then we'll move to to the two drama. Well, mine's a comedy, but we'll move on. I'll talk about mine, and then we'll talk about All About My Mother at the end. So first let me talk about, let's talk about Talk to Her from 2002, which is the last film and the one you saw right before air. So why don't you give a right synopsis, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Okay. Uh, and, and as always, I've learned with uh, Moldovar films, uh, there are many twists and turns, <laughs> but uh, briefly, there it um, it could be summarized as uh, there are two different women in through uh, various situations in their lives have been put into a coma, and uh, it tells the stories really of the uh, the men uh, in in their lives, and and that's where one of the I'm trying to not be spoilery here, but that's that's where one turns into a horror film. And uh, basically, uh, it, uh, to, it, to me, it, uh, in a lot of ways, was still, you know, you had two women in a coma. I thought it was El Moldovar speaking. Uh, he still, his films are a lot, largely about women. And uh, um, I felt it was just, it, it was kind of humorous to me how you had men obsessing over women still when he made a film that was supposedly about men. I still think it was about women. But uh, it just kind of follows these uh, – it tells the tale, and it spools out in like a diorama in all kinds of different directions, and it gets very dark and conflicting and confusing. So, it, yeah, it's an Amaldivar uh, film uh, in that regard. Um, but, yeah, what did you what, – what do you think of Talk to Her? I was curious to find out since I, it's fresh for me. I just watched it. First of all, I find it, and I mean this in all the positive way I can say this, highly subversive. Uh, <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. it's probably oh, yeah. his most subversive piece, I would say. Um, I agree. Also, I find it interesting that it's timely because in the news, and this is why I want to lead off with it, I don't know if you remember, they just arrested mm-hmm. a nurse for the exact thing that happens in yes. the movie. <laughs> I know. I can. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. It's just so shocking. I. It was. It, it was shocking. Yeah. It, it, um, yeah. But, for what what happens in the film, I don't know if you want now, to say. Now, I yeah, don't want to spoil it too much because even that twist has a twist at the end of Alma Dolvar's mm-hmm. movie. A big one. Absolutely. Like oh, like a, a holy shit uh, kind of moment. Like a yeah. not a Bambi kills mom moment. More of a like oh my god, you know they open the Ark of the Covenant kind of moment. You know, like surprise. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I shit. I yeah. shit my pants. Yeah. 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 So so yeah. we don't want to go into it too far, but um, it, it there's a lot of black and white vaginas. We can warn people about that. Yes, there are. Yep. That was <laughs> and. See, what was happening there, I was so amused by what was happening there, contrasted with what was actually happening when it, and I didn't catch on to what was happening until the end of that big segment. And then I realized uh, there was an implication. And I, my, I've never felt like kind of humor turned to sickness so quickly in my life. Yeah, and what's really weird about it, and it, and and it's very similar. I'm trying to think of a, a way to spoil it without spoiling it. He's very much like the character in in uh, Cloverfield, Ten Cloverfield Lane, uh, John Goodman's character, in the sense that even though he's doing the wrong things and he's absolutely in the wrong, 
part of him knows what's going on around him is right, is true, and he thinks he's doing the right thing. Right. You know? Absolutely. But, but, but like all Almodovar films, love and obsession have such a thin line that they're often blurred, and most times they are in his films. Uh, he also likes to push your boundaries and what you're willing to accept. And I will say that Talk to Her does that. A lot. Um, yes, it does. It, it's a, it, yes. it's not like the body horror level of talk to her per se, um, but right. uh, or I mean, uh, I mean, a, a skin I live in. Uh, I mean, yes, but it's yes, you know. but it's still got that same squirmy. I feel like I need to take a shower after I watch this movie. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm dirty. <laughs> I need to be cleaned. I'm a clean. <laughs> Okay, yeah. so no, going yeah. from his most subversive sexual piece to uh, to pushing it to his, they call I would a lot of people call the skin I live in psychological horror, and I would say the type talk to her is closer to psychological horror than that. But ta- but the, in the skin I live in is absolutely body horror to everything that happens because uh, you know I always think. A lot of people respond to rape not just because it's violence against women, but it's also body horror. And this throws everything in that could possibly be body horror. Oh. So once you talk about this, and this is your choice. You chose to watch this one. This one I, I did not force yes, you to I watch. I, nope, I told you to right watch, talk to her and all. Yeah, so so tell them a quick synopsis without spoiling this one. Which sure, is really, because like uh, there's tw- the twist at the end of this one blows the mind even more than what happened yes. in Talk to Her. <laughs> it's a shotgun blast to the face. I mean, it's it is. Wild. Um, so quickly, I guess the skin I live in, uh, 2011, I think. Uh, it's one of his more recent films. I don't know what his last film was, but uh, anyway. Uh, uh, he has Banderas, a new one coming out, like, actually. Oh, great. Oh, well, I did not know that. So um, yep. uh, I don't know if uh, he'll continue down that route or not. This, it's, you know, this had this Drew comparison to Cronenberg, and I think that they're earned in a sense, but it still distinctly feels within the other films that I watch universe at the same time. But my, oh, my. Um, the story in this, like I said earlier, uh, concerning talk to her it, it, and, and, uh, really throughout all the films that I watched, all three, the twists and turns are, uh, just, man, you cannot stop, but don't, 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 don't get up without pausing, you know, don't think I can walk away for a minute because you're going to miss something. But, uh, the story of this is Antonio Banderas is, uh, he's, he's a plastic surgeon or he's just a really good, I think he's just a top surgeon, but in his field, He's a plastic surgeon. He, he, he's a plastic Plastic surgeon, yeah. but but yeah, okay. He's I, I thought he yeah. might have been. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, he's a plastic surgeon. Innocent. I had to, I had to reread this one because this one's really complicated. I had to actually go back and read the synopsis. Yes, his status. Yeah. See, I, 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 when I watched it, the first, I had to go back and start. Once I started it over and dove in harder, I was fine. But when I first attempted to watch it, it the same thing. I had to go back. But uh, it's basically the story of uh, this doctor who, without giving too much of the plot away, this plastic surgeon has in his mansion, which speaking of, you mentioned how successful he is. I thought that Almodovar, Almodovar did such a fucking butchering the man's name, but, uh, 
I feel like he did such a good job, uh, speaking of production design, of just showing off this man's status, this male, this rich male status in so many ways to his fucking car, to his hair, to his constant suits, and to just his mannerisms, to the house. And his mother was his servant, and it was just these weird dynamics that were just – it just – spoke of like a thumbs up to the rich to me in a way but he keeps anyway he keeps well but there's an arrogance to that character that is his fatal flaw oh gosh it's so arrogant he may be the most arrogant character i've seen in a long time but he keeps a woman locked inside of his mansion um who but uh, does he really does he, he? Really? right that's the question <laughs> does he? we, won't, we won't answer that here but does he really keep a woman <laughs> Yeah. So. He attends. Anyway. He attends. <laughs> there's yeah, so much wanna, going on. It's hard to talk about that film without. Well, we can, yeah, we there's can so many film, moving parts. Uh, uh, you got to remember that this is a review show of older films. And if we're spoiling shit, people have to deal because this film is over 10 years old. We can fucking spoil it. You know? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm great. You know? I'm so, great. So if we, if we need to it. discuss something about one of the twists, we can do that. This is what the show is about. We are the Repo Nerds. This is a nerdy show. We can nerd the fuck up. Okay. Well, I want to so. tell you what the fuck I loved about it the most. Okay. Uh, I love things. Go for it. You mentioned. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm, oh, I'm no. listening. Okay. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, and um, uh, you said, bouncing off of something that you said about Amaldivar pushing boundaries and talk to her. I thought that brilliantly, just coming from a, uh, you know, a straight white guy's perspective, watching this film will challenge, it should should challenge anyone's ideas of any kind of sexuality is not a spectrum. Uh, and I think it's very purposeful the way that he creates this ultimate sex object and displays her in such a way and then there's this violent rape, and it just seems – and so when I first – when I came to you at first, I'd only gotten to that point, and I was like, whoa. you know. And But then they turn this – weave this story uh, by telling – they go back and tell you what actually happened and what kind of a monster he is and how she endures and outsmarts and plays off of his own uh, – uh, monstrous arrogance that we talked about, and so I, that I loved the boundary pushing of the uh, of just confusing or making everyone fall in love with this woman, and uh, and and uh, and then ripping which, the fl- rug yes, out from just under ripping you, the and you right just, off. boom, yes. and you fall on your ass, and it's like shit. Okay, but that's what I love about <laughs> Pedro Almodovar films is even his. Every you kind of care about every character. You whether you like yes. them or not is a different story. You but you're invested in them. Like especially all the characters and talk to her. Uh, even though what the guy is doing is actually despicable. The, 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 his his performance is vulnerable, extremely yeah. vulnerable. And and it's almost and they, like uh, Lenny. And, and he, the he's quite, men, And they're doing that on purpose. Like like. Uh, he's trying to say, okay, this person is not like us, okay? Can we judge him mm-hmm. on on what his 
his moral standing is from what he knows and how far he can actually get intellectually? Because, or do we judge him on the values that we have set as a social contract? And he's always questioning our social contract. Do you know what I'm saying? And I'm, tough. I'm, it's tough. It's hard to explain, you know, because what he's doing is wrong, right? Yeah, but, oh, it's monstrous. But, but is he but a monster? He can't. He can't see, is he a monster? That's quite, he can't see it that way. He's unable to see it that way. Uh, now, does that make him more dangerous? Sometimes. Possibly. <laughs> you know, possibly. possibly. We don't know. In this case, it's That's... a completely different uh, outcome than you expect, which is what you almost want to expect the unexpected with Pedro Almodovar films. Matter of fact, which yes, you is, <laughs> you know, uh, which is kind of interesting because you know, even his more drama-y films like Volver and Broken Embraces, which, boy, I recommend that one. That one is so good. And it's about an older couple, and it's about drinking and alcoholism. You, it, It's so up your alley, Steve. You would really like oh, that one. I don't one. know that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Broken Embraces. A lot of people don't know that. That one gets ignored a lot. Um, but, uh, you know. I might as well it, keep diving so I, oh, well, shit. I mean, watch them all, man. <laughs> yeah. Might as well. I Take think I'm hour afterwards. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. Rinse, repeat. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Women on the Verge. I'm going to talk about Women on the Verge in my first watch, and then we'll both talk in depth about all about my mother, because that movie deserves attention. It's probably <laughs> one of the best best films in the last 20 years. Uh, you know, so uh, maybe easily. even yeah, yeah, easily, easily one of the best films in twenty years. Um, so, but where was I? Okay, so Women on the Verge and of uh, uh, Nervous Breakdown is not Pedro Almodovar's first movie, but it's the first one that crossed over into the United States, and it was nominated for foreign language film. Um, and then eventually Pedro will win, you know, for for All About My Mother in '99. Um, so our 2000, who count that year, <laughs> you know, that season, right? Um, so <laughs> women on the verge. One thing I do like about Pedro's work is even though there is a universe and a thread that goes through all all of them, there he he is not afraid to change tone. Like his movie tones are all over the place, right? And Verge is by right. far, I would say, the lightest of tone I've seen of his films. First of all, it's a romantic comedy, which is like, and it's a sex comedy, which is like completely different than all the rest of those movies that I've been watching of his. Like it it is nothing like any of his other films yet. It is so his, like it is, it's all there. The nonlinear storytelling, uh, you know, the, the, the quirky characters, lots of female centric characters in particular, uh, you know, uh, there's always in Pedro's films somebody associated with, like, acting or the film industry. I'm sure you've noticed that in the three films you saw, right? Yeah. Like, uh, there's always someone that's there, too. Matter of fact, the lead characters, and let me give the synopsis. The Women on the Verge of Verbs Breakdown. We are met with this woman who is a voiceover actor, which, shout out to voiceover actors, love them. Uh, (laughs) So that was instantly on board for that who has been in a long-term relationship with a guy named Ivan, who we never hardly see, but he's also a voice actor, and he has one of those Latin accents that just wants to make you melt like butter, right? You know, every time. So he has just dumped her for another woman, and he's leaving. 
but she doesn't know where, and she has some really important news to tell him. And so she's really, really, really messed up on it. Um, so she's, of course, on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Now, I want to say something, Steve, and I had to look this up because when I saw the title um, card come across, I go, that's not what the title says. And the title, it doesn't translate well. I had to look. It actually, the Spanish title equivalent would be saying hysteria or hysterical women, hyster- ah. hysterical women, which makes more sense because it's, it's about women fainting and freaking out when they're panic. It's more like panic attacks, you know, and right. so it, it, right. it's not that they're having nervous breakdowns, they're having panic attacks. And actually, that's really true. If you watch this film, all the women are having fucking panic attacks all over this movie. <laughs> so, so you have this woman in this apartment who wants to sell her apartment, but she accidentally catches her, um, her in a in a in a fit, her her bed on fire, and throws something out the window, and everything's completely fucked up. And meanwhile, Antonio Banderas shows up, who happens also to be the bastard child of her of her lover. Okay, (laughs) and he shows up to rent the apartment, but and then really quickly they realize who they are, right? (laughs) Which is kind of funny, Uh, you know. So they're like, "Oh, okay, you're that person, that person," (laughs) and 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 it turns out his mom was in a psychiatric hospital because she kept getting broken up with Ivan. Right. And Ivan's, but every right. time he leaves a message on a voice machine for these women, they fall back in love with him because the best part about this guy is his voice. Right. <laughs> and, there's, uh, you know, and there's more, there's shenanigans ensuing. There's a co- there's this, there's this taxi driver that keeps as a recurring character and he's kind of funny and, you know, it's a romantic comedy. They're not my bag. This is better than most because, once again, we're talking about a budding genius, right? And and the right, color right. scheme is very brilliantly colorful. It's really pretty. And it's not pretty. That's not the word. Vibrant. It's vibrant. That's the word I'd use. It's vibrant yeah. because it's 1988, and everything looks like a 1988 movie, but it's got very oh, co- beautiful color. You know, it's, you're seeing it through his eye. Uh, so it's pretty be- beautiful looking film. It's pretty good looking. Oh. Everything about it, you know, but there's still like shoulder pads and weird colors. Oh, great. Of course. Oh, my God. I was watching Russian Doll, Steve, and we're going back to those clothes. What the fuck are we mm. doing? I don't know. I don't know. Shoulder what pads we're doing. are back. I don't know shoulder what pads the fuck are back. is happening. It's scaring me. It's scaring me. Why are shoulder pads back? Why? Like, we, I can understand reviving big hair even, right? Because I was a metalhead. Sure. The shoulder pads, no, no, no. Anyway. Like shoulder that. pads, I, I don't think. Who the fuck is asking for that? No, 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 no. Okay. But anyway, so you get a lot of that in this movie. And it's actually charming that way. And the ending's rather predictable. There's no big super duper twist, believe it or not. It's kind of right. like more, it's more like, um, Wrong movie, but kind of the well, yeah, it is really like one of those sex comedies, like the Pajama Game from the '60s. It really is like that. Um, oh. That's how I yeah. felt about it. Yeah, so it's good. I would say it's a B plus. If I had to grade it in my world, um, I would, you know, I would say of the three films you watched, my favorite is the one we're going to talk about now. Um, and it's an oh, almost, yeah. I would, it's an A plus or an A film for me, and it's actually one of the most beautifully moving movies. 
emotional way. <laughs> you were I, I first of all oh um Steve on a serious note, I do want to apologize. I do know a little bit about your backstory. I don't know a lot, but I should have maybe give you a heads up about the content of this okay. one because I knew it was going to hit close to home. But I also know you can watch films objectively. And I yes, really I didn't want to tell you much about this one because it's not I really about it. the story. It's about the characters. And yes. I mean, really, the most beautiful characters ever in a movie. Like, uh, I just yeah, lo- I just want to hug this ensemble cast. You know what I'm oh saying. my gosh, it's perfect. Okay, so why don't you talk perfect. about all about my mother, 1999, and your first watch with this amazing film? Oh my gosh. Um, all right. Um, just so I don't spin out of control on it here. All about my mother. Um, uh, like I said, like uh, like you said, I just saw this on a challenge. It's one I'd always wanted to see. I had no idea. I actually thought I'd seen a little bit of this, and I realized it was Volver. But um, so uh, yeah, I have not had not seen any of this before, and it is gosh, it is a story that encompasses so much. Uh, it is one of the most. I mean, my one of the most female-centric films. I think goes without saying that and uh um it's about uh, there's women in this movie there's a production of a streetcar named desire uh it, i think it emulates all about eve uh in a lot of ways there's a there's a woman whose son gets killed while chasing for an autograph and then uh these there's multiple storylines where then this woman uh befriends Penelope Cruz who ends up uh becoming uh, HIV positive with the carrying her, uh, the, uh, the, carrying the child of the woman that she had the son with years ago, uh, who is now a woman. And so there's all these complicated people. And she, I think before long ago, her friend, either she was a prostitute or her friend, best friend is, uh, she finds her on the street and that's an intense scene. And, uh, she's a delightful character, but the, uh, the film says so much about uh, li- um, living uh, on the fringes of uh, it just says, Go ahead. it says a lot about living on the it says a lot about living on the fringes of society I am a recovering um, heroin addict and um, I was an IV user for nine years and it uh, they really captured um, you know when Penelope Cruz gets HIV and she says, uh, just don't make it worse for me. To her mother, um, it really, really got to me. And uh, just the, the, a, a lot of the, the – I have seen a lot of people in this area. Um, in my, uh, you know, I have friends that have HIV. Uh, I uh, live with um, a degenerative disease that I contracted, you know, and it is uh, – you know, just putting myself out there that, that uh, these kind of films uh, rarely come along that uh, give characters like this a voice. And um, you, you don't get to see very many films um, uh, that, that give, you know, women a voice, uh, uh, but especially that give women that have drug addictions and that have uh, HIV and not treat them like victims. And they don't use these things as uh, plot devices per se. They don't, it's not used in a way that, that Hollywood often does. It doesn't come off like a rent. 
Um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, these people, we're people and, um, these characters are beyond human, uh, to me. And I felt like I knew them all. Like you said, I just, I wanted to give the whole cast a hug by the end of, of the film. And, um, without spoiling it, I, it's, it, uh, I do get moved in films a lot. Um, um, my girlfriend, Rachel, gives me a hard time a lot because she says I'll cry at a commercial. But uh, this one was – this was different. This was up there with some other uh, – just a few films that, in, that really can get the essence of people um, that are not often accepted and are stigmatized for being addicts or, or uh, having diseases and uh, giving them a voice. And I thought that was uh, beautiful. There's also two very prominent transgender characters in the film that yes. have, it's just Still part the of who they are. <laughs> it's not flashy. It's not any, it's not what Hollywood would do. The Oscar bait right. performance. It's not anything like that. It, it's, it's casual. It's beautiful. It's honest. Everything about this movie is authentic. It feels real. Um, the use of location is fantastic. It, it shoots in, uh, what was it, Madrid and Barcelona, I believe. Mm. Those locations, um, which I beautiful. can't wait to go to Barcelona. <laughs> like, Barcelona oh, is such a beautiful gonna, place. You're going to have a blast. Um, uh, have you ever seen Dixie, Victor Christie, Dixie, what was it, Vicky Christie at Barcelona Dixie. by Woody Allen? Yes, I love that also movie. With yes. With, well, yeah, I love it too, and and we're actually going to go to a bunch of those places. Actually, it's going to be so fun. Oh, you're going to have a blast. Oh yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. I fly out Saturday. I have a layover in Munich, actually, which oh, is wow. kind of cool. So I put two or two oh, together. So you get to go out. Guess guess who? There's like a couple hour layover. Guess what film opens in Munich? In nineteen in the seventies, ah. one of our favorite films. It just had an anniversary. Suspiria. Oh, God. Suspiria. No way. Suspiria. Oh my gosh, Suspiria. Suspiria. Oh my god. Jessica really? Harper. You're gonna like my. Oh. I'm so I I have I have this song on my phone. So every time I go through an automatic door, I am going to blast the shit out of Suspiria while I'm Oh my gosh. And if it's raining, I'm going to film that shit. <laughs> like, that is so rain. cool. So I'm like, I, I kind of put it together. I'm like, oh, my God, Suspiria. Oh, and speaking of which, I saw the other Suspiria, uh, the one that takes place yes, in Berlin. Did. I did see that. Yes. Um, and, and I really – I think we need to talk about that, but maybe not this episode. But I do think sure. a, 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 compa- a Suspiria comparison is warranted. Because um, yeah. I think they have valid; they're both valid for completely different reasons. I'm so, so glad you feel that way because I get yeah. chased out of rooms for recommending it at this point. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I would recommend it to the right people, but I think people needed to go in a lot more open-minded about Suspiria than the remake yeah. than uh, than was warranted. I think they should have just not branded it that way. Because it wasn't meant to be I agree. that way. And I think if it was taken on its own merits and, and the other film didn't exist, it would be a pretty darn good film. Uh, you know oh, what I'm saying? Yeah. So, absolutely. Anyway. So, but anyway, we'll talk about that in another episode. Because ta- let's talk a little bit more about All About My Mother. Because the main character, 
which I always found amazing, is dead. Dies. Really? For the first five minutes. All About My Mother is actually the narrator is the teenage boy in the very beginning. Oh, that's because, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I always kind of find that amazing because he's talking about his mother after he died, not before he died. And it's a kind of a, a strange thing. There's also, and this goes to uh, Pedro's uh, themes running through his films. There's this whole sub thing about organ donations in it as well, mm-hmm. which is interesting. So always something to look for. He has a couple of films where he talks about that. Uh, Penelope Cruz in this movie, uh, was, this was her breakout role. Yeah, this is the first role that she crossed over the United States and really made a mark for herself. And look, she's still like vibrant and, and wonderful as always. And she's starring in his newest film, which will be called oh, that's great. Pain, Pain and Glory. And it comes out in Spain on March 22nd. So I won't get to see it when I was there. If it had come out when I was there, oh, I would have made time to see it. Oh my God! Oh, Seeing a Pedro Almodovar film in Spain would have been so cool. Oh my God! There's a couple oh, of things I would like to see. Uh, I would love to see an Alexis de la Iglesia film in Spain. Uh, he's, oh, but he's in that Basque. So that's cool. in that. That's not Catalonia. That's Basque, which is another region entirely, but still independent and fierce. You know, <laughs> that's right, what I love right, about right. Spain. Still. They have these little sections <laughs> that are like, "We are still medieval. You can't take us down." <laughs> you know. That's right. So yeah, fierce. Yeah. You know? <laughs> anyway, I, I I've been reading up a lot about Spain and Catalonia, and you know, Catal uh, Catalonia oh, is always fiercely independent. And, it, and and in Pedro's movies, a lot of people live in Madrid and they run away to Barcelona. It seems to be a threat in his films. So I have a feeling that happens a lot. Like, you know, Barcelona is like RLA where people go and try to start their lives, right? Because so, right, it is a very right. metropolitan city. Yeah, yeah. And right. then they end up, like, yeah. you know, get, becoming a nun and pregnant and HIV in a convent somewhere. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> kidnaps you takes your skin and builds <laughs> you a plastic vagina uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> it can always get worse yeah oh my <laughs> god maybe I should rethink creepy. my trip here oh, maybe, you need to be uh... careful <laughs> don't talk to any charming doctors don't say it's not yet oh, be careful He's also what he's an asshole in a skin I live him, like a super asshole. In Verge, oh, which is his first film, he's just this nerdy, stupid kid, right? Like it's funny to see him play <laughs> a nerd, which is hysterical. Yeah. And you know, um, let's see, <laughs> in Vicky Christie Barcelona, he plays a total jerk, right? Yes, he does. Yes. I hope he's not playing a type. I know, I know, I know. Or maybe you get he's just playing, or maybe he's playing himself. But I've seen him play cute and funny and other things. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, he's you know. been playful before. I mean, but he's always hot. He's too yes, sexy. Oh, I should have queued that yeah. up tonight. I just realized I dropped the ball. I should have queued up. Oh, he's so sexy. I told you, don't say but I must. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. watching that they, the other day. I was is. like, wow, that's rapey. Uh, I didn't realize how rapey uh, those segments were. I mean, they don't age it's well. Very so rapey. you know, yeah, no. nothing ages age well. I was watching some old Judd Apatow stuff the other day, and I was almost turned it off. I was like, "Holy shit, this has aged horribly." 
It's only like Super Bad has not aged well at all. I I don't think I've watched Super Bad <laughs> since it's come out. To be honest, or Knocked Up. I, neither one of those have aged well. Ooh. I saw a Knocked Up in its original two and a half hour cut at But Numathon Eight that year. Oh wow, that's super I was one cool. Of the first, <laughs> I was one of the first people in the country to see that, and I was one of the first people to see Three Hundred in digital, which. I have oh, mixed wow. feelings about the film, but to see it in that sure. format was pretty, you know. Yeah, me cool. too. The films, you know, are, I've got mixed feelings too, but that's awesome. Yeah. So you know, so I have, I have a, a, a like, I have a heart, like, I actually like Catherine Heigl. I actually think because you know, I really don't like that, uh, like, uh, romantic comedies, but I notice the ones I do tend to have her in them. So maybe, yeah. you know, and she is really good and knocked up. Like, she's the best thing. Everyone else is kind of this asshole, she's, you know, but she's, she's kind of the this best pl- thing about it. Yeah, absolutely the best thing about it. So, you know, but it's a good Valentine's Day watch. Uh, you know, I like going oh, yeah. more subversive on my choices for Valentine's Day usually. Me too. Uh, like, I, I, but I, I was actually, I've been challenging myself and this is a good episode to talk about this um, and lighten it up the mood. Pedro makes us all very serious. <laughs> sorry, I did not mean to get that serious. It no, and, you know, and, and be as, you know, whatever you want to, like, share, just be comfortable. You know, just remember, you know, we're on air. You go as far or as pull back as much as you want. This is our safe space. You can talk about anything you want or nothing. Yeah. The only rules Absolutely. I, I I can't talk about politics. It's the only real rule about my podcast. Yeah, I I And that's, that's because that's there's a law. Awesome. There's a fucking law. Yeah. That's <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I understand. I know yeah. that you I know we should, we have the same sentiments. We share the same feelings. I know that. Oh already. yeah, no. But, and if someday that that like I was no longer under that law, look out. That would change. <laughs> Look yeah, out. <laughs> That's a whole um, other yeah. show. <laughs> However, I can say this. Jack Valenti was the worst thing that ever happened to Hollywood because now we have a fucking ceremony where they think that cinematography and editing are not good enough to be on oh. the fucking stage, but Lady Gaga can get extra moments to sing her fucking song, even though her I think she should song. be allowed to sing her song. There's room for both, but I don't think that oog- another montage or oogling more celebrities is worth cutting those two categories in particular. I mean, all of them, by the way, those are my favorite categories. Cinematography, the editing, live action, How can you and cut makeup. Those? Three of my favorite categories they are cutting. Uh, you know, and How I live action cut should be cut either, but that's another story. Crazy. Fuck em, it's crazy to cut any em. of those categories. It's so I can't say crazy. something about that, you know, because yeah. I, I, you know, but Guillermo del Toro, go and look at his Twitter feed because he said it better. Him and Alfonso Cuarón, speaking of awesome, awesome Latin language filmmakers, they they came yes. out with. I I was thinking about last year, and I mentioned this to you, Roger Deakins who is my hero, okay? I have worshipped so that man forever. Legend. Finally wins his Oscar after being nominated, what, 19 times? <laughs> yeah. Once he huh. was nominated against himself and still lost. <laughs> oh my that God. year was That's crazy. That's insane. 
yeah, he, he that year was was insane. Um, he was nominated for uh, what was it? Um, no Country for Old Men and uh, the oh. uh, assassination of Jesse James by the coward Henry Ford. How did is, that not get best cinematography? Uh, because How did that there, not? This is why because there will be one blood one, which oh, is yeah. gorgeous film. Okay, so you yes, know, I, they're different, but they're beautiful both. But yeah, no, That's I actually. That's a good year for film. That was a very good year for film. It was a very depressing yes, year for film. It was very good. Holy shit! Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but so. Damn. Can you imagine after all this time him not giving the award out live on air, or the oh. year when or the year when Guillermo Navarro won for Pan's Labyrinth, not being able to give his award on air? He opened. They opened the oh. show with that award that year. They opened How the show they... with that award. So what's the what's the reasoning? I didn't read. I just saw the time, headline and got mad. Time the, cuts. That's time cuts. Per, fuck, oh. they're, what they're gonna what they're gonna do? And I'm kind of glad I'm getting this out now because we have time tonight. Tomorrow I really want to. I have an interview in the middle of our our, of our show, so I'm really hoping. So oh, I'm glad cool. Well, thank you for letting me off air on this because okay, where were we? Yeah, let it out. I'm mad about it too. <laughs> okay, so. Let's walk this back. Where was I? I lost my train of thought. <gasps> oh. oh yeah, we you were we're just talking about uh, the you said for time is the reasoning why we're yeah losing, that's what they're uh, saying. Okay, yeah. here's what they're gonna do. Thank you. You got me back on. Here's what they're gonna do. They're oh, gonna good. during a commercial break. They're gonna give the award away. The guy goes boo. down, does this speech. Boo! We don't get to see it. They're going to edit it down and play it later in the broadcast. Time undetermined. What? So all oh. we can see is the award being given out a couple minutes, a couple, yeah. maybe a few seconds of the speech. We don't get to see them walk down the aisle. We don't get to see them take their award. We don't get to see the triumph <laughs> on their face. We don't get to see any. Oh. Now, can you imagine if they did that to uh, the, the, the editor of The Departed? If she wasn't no. allowed to take her award on stage, uh, Alfonso Caron is up for this award and has a huge good chance of winning for Roma. If he wins, yeah. he becomes the first director to win editing for a film he shot himself. Um, and they're going to give that film on a fucking commercial. Cinematography, oh too. My God. Yeah. Um, foreign, there's three foreign films up for 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 cinematography this year, which is a record. Um, <laughs> editing is the yeah. category that most women have won of the major category mm-hmm. because the and best women. And they're just going to kick that to the curb. That's insane. Yeah. Um, what the hell? I don't know. It just oh, you, it's, you only can't have cinema without cinematography and editing. And he can say it better than I can. I just can bitch. But he was like, there's been films where there's been no color. There's films, there's good films where there's no style. There's silent. There are good films with no actors, you know, but you cannot have a film without cinematography and editing. You just can't do it. Do you yeah. think that it's because the public doesn't get that? Do you think it's because the general public doesn't get that and no, they don't care enough to let people know that? I don't know. It's a failure on the network I will tell you, the, the kids behind me, the millennials that are into film, 
know exactly how important editing and cinematography is because they can do it on their fucking smartphones. So um, what do you think Steven Soderbergh has been pushing for cutting, making movies on smartphones? They know what, how important editing and cinematography is to filmmaking, you know, those two categories and the guy that made Tangerine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit. You know, it's just really, really upsetting. Um, and, and you know, it doesn't make sense. I don't know what they're trying to trim down the award show for. I just watched the Grammys. They only gave out five awards and that show went an hour, till 1130. It went three and a half hours. <laughs> I know. I'm talking about upsetting. I was so upset. They don't give out any awards on that show anymore. I, you no, know, I was clicking to my phone to see but the updates. They didn't I give out alternatives. There's only 24 awards total. In the yeah. Ampis Award ceremony, if we added stunt coordinator, there'd be 25, right? Okay. Right. In three hours, you can't give those awards away. <laughs> they could I mean, easily, easily. I mean, what I is lagging them down? I mean, could you maybe cut an hour of the red carpet? How about if you can't fit it in for in by eleven o'clock news? Why don't you start an hour earlier? Why don't you put that out if if you want to? Why don't like the Tonys? The Tonys does this. They put their first hour on PBS. If you want to watch the Tech Awards, you go to PBS. You watch it live there, and then you shift over, right? Why That's couldn't it. they do something yeah. like that? <laughs> there are so many ways they could solve this. The only positive thing I've heard is that I read one suggestion that said, well, they can cut the live short, but instead of cutting it, make it its own ceremony, like the governor's ball, but for just for short films. So they get their own awards ceremony that can be streamed live. That I would actually be on board for because there's a lot of shorts. Right now, there's actually kind of a renaissance in shorts filmmaking and that there's one award for them, maybe two or three tops out there. You know, unless they're at a film festival, there's not a lot of recognition, right? How many many of these girls and boys are going to get Oscars? They're not, you know? They're not. But it, they so, don't seem to care about the people that aren't, um, you know, they, they only seem to care about, like I heard that the presenters are going to be your favorite Marvel superheroes mostly or something like that. And Alice and Jane yeah, getting bumped. I, I've, been, I've been making the joke that like, all oh, right. You know, because they didn't allow Allison Janning to give away the Best Supporting Actor, which is tradition. It's like, she's not famous in that. So I was like, fine. Why don't you just pair her off with a Black Panther actor? There's plenty of them. Yeah. <laughs> you're probably yeah, just bring her out there with asshole. Chadwick. You know, don't be disrespectful to Allison Janning. We've been waiting for her to win an Oscar for years. And you're going to be like, that? Ever. Forever. Oh I mean, I can't imagine how so she they, would they feel about that. They don't know their audience. They really don't know their audience. They don't nope. know their audience. And past, you would they think that care. they would know. They don't care. They don't even care about us, the 40-year-olds, ones no. that are actually going to the movies still. We're still going to the theaters. Millennials don't give a shit about that. They're not going to watch the Oscars. Nope. The way you get them into the Oscars is you bring, yeah, sure, maybe have a couple mainstream films nominated, but you don't cut the awards that are not they're nominated for, except for, someone pointed this out, the four that were cut 
are there's o- are the only four that do not have a Disney property represented. Oh my gosh! Don't even tell me that. Oh no! Oh, the ABC. No, no, gosh. There is. Oh, I, I'm not going to go conspiracy theory, but they're right. That's true. Because live yeah, I was action. I about to I get think, my tinfoil hat did, on. Animated short has a Disney film represented. I think there might even be two if there's a Pixar one too. Uh, and there's definitely animated feature as Incredibles two, right? Staring us in the face. Yeah. Even though I'm really think that I think Spider Verse has got this. I actually think it they got it. they won to. the they won the Annie, and so I think they got this, which is like woohoo! I <laughs> hope. So. Yeah, I, I haven't seen a film that beautiful. Than, oh, I, it was better I thought it was better than any comic book film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too. I agree. I thought it was better that I thought it, you know they want to talk about a lot of uh, comic book films, and I feel like people are just either sleeping on Spider-Man or ignoring it because uh, Spider-Verse, I thought, is l- uh, just m- above and beyond all those movies. Well, it, it was n- noticed enough that they did agree with the sequel last week. So we are getting another phone. Oh, great. So, yeah, cool. uh, you know, and I'm sure they, c- and they can do anything they want. They can change styles completely and it would still work. You know, and yeah. that's what's cool about it. Uh, Wasn't so, that the guys that Disney fired from Solo? I think they were. It's, yes. Uh, they also yeah. directed, of all things, the Baywatch movie. Is that right? I think they also oh, did really? that. Yeah. <laughs> but it makes me wonder, like, you know, Disney's loss was there was Sony's gain there, I think. Sometimes. I mean, well, look at James Gunn. He got Suicide Squad 2 and turned I know. down a Superman film. I mix, and I, I, you know, that Brightburn yep. like horror take on it looks cool. I'm all about. I'm oh a big James Gunn that, guy. I just that was the movie he was going to show a clip of at San Diego Comic Con, and when I was was about to go on stage when all that shit broke down, he was actually at Comic Con at the time. That was the film. Yeah. So Holy you know, shit. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was going to show. I'd forgotten. Uh huh. That was the movie they were going to show a clip from that, and and so yeah. Some alt right uh, douchebag. Oh. My God, you you have uh, you were talking to me on a well, we were talking, but we weren't talking heavily when that was going down. Uh, We hadn't started the show yet. You have no idea what it was like to be at Comic Con and have that shit go down like that. Like, oh my God. You know, everyone in the in the place was just freaking out. Our phones were going crazy. Oh my <laughs> I'm God. going crazy. I I'm giving live reports on podcasts about what I'm witnessing. <laughs> you know, oh. like, poor James Gunn. Oh my God, that girl. whole thing. And it was funny because I remember when he did those tweets because I was I've been a friend of James Gunn from the beginning. He was actually a member of my film group circle group. Back in the day, what you but, actually? But he, what? he was for a short period of time. He was there, but then he got bigger than us and left. <laughs> He's <laughs> one of my favorite dudes working right today. Before Slith- he, right loved- before Slither. Right before Slither. So you know, oh, I think actually I'll take it back. He might have even been in our movie. group through Super, which was cool. Uh, so, oh uh, gosh, I anyway. love that movie. But anyway, now he's doing Suicide Squad, and this Bright Star movie looks awesome. So you know, I'm excited as a DC Guardian guy. Of the Galaxy I'm excited can, to see him fix it. You know, I don't I, care I, about I, 
I mean, neither I. You know, and here's the funny thing. You know, they're also like trying to connect with the millennials for for Ampish, I know. right? Yeah. Two years ago, <laughs> Suicide Squad wins Best Makeup, right? Mainstream right. film. Right. Mainstream film. Right. Makeup awards are one of the few categories where the popular films do get nominated. And they That's cut true. it. And they cut it. They cut it. <laughs> way to connect. Way to connect, guys. I mean, yeah, how many way old to go. dudes are on the uh, Oh, Academy I've always part. called Ampis yeah. the old fogey squad. They've always been the it old fogies to, to me. Uh, but what they, do they, they know about you know, I'm not without getting into the politics involved because we got to go for the night. I'll just say it's just right. a sign of the times. This is the last gasp of the old white man. And, and while goodbye. it looks really dark right now, and I mean super orange and dark. Good riddance. I mean, I, you know, I mean, it, the light is it, burning it, dim. I don't think we've hit rock bottom quite yet. I think it's got to get worse, but it's yeah. not going to last. Everything has a no. season. And next year, maybe our Oscars will have learned their lesson, but we don't know. In the meantime, them, we have foreign films to watch, Pedro Almodovar films to watch. Whether you nominate them or not, you need, you know, can you imagine not being allowed to walk up on, if he was not allowed to walk up on stage for like a screenplay award? That would be a criminal. Yeah. So anyway. It's insane. So anyway. We all recommend Pedro Almodovar films. We were all very happy about those, right? And and you survived. Yes, yes, I did. I'm here, <laughs> and, alive and, and well. So and uh, so we don't know what March is going to be. Uh, I have to figure that one out yet. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. I do know that April we're going to look at um, probably westerns because Deadwood right. comes out. So. That's right. <laughs> So, um, so we'll so talk excited. about that then. But March will figure out what we're going to do. Usually something seasonal. Uh, come back tomorrow and on the 13th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time if you're listening tonight because uh, we will go to Sexy Witches. And I have Nina Asuego from uh, The Sound of Thunder. Uh, she's going to call in and we're going to interview her about being in a heavy metal band and her recent tour Very of cool. Catalonia with her heavy metal band. And uh, we're awesome. going to talk about the Spanish language films, not just Spain, but Mexico and wherever else we want to talk about and enjoy Valentine's Day season. I will leave you tonight with a song from a verge of a uh, woman on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Thank you, Steve, for joining me on Repo Nerds <laughs> as usual. Thank you, Elizabeth, for having It's great to be here. Uh, I, I'm so glad we're starting this season, getting me back to watching yes. movies I should be watching. So, folks, if you have something me on your too. shame list and you need help watching it, come talk to the Repo Nerds, and we'll give you your cred back. That's right. Much love, good film hunting, and blessed be. Good night, everybody. Bye. Porque sé que no me quieres para qué más insistir Vive feliz mi bien Si el amor que tú me diste para siempre de sentir Soy infeliz 
feliz Y por qué tú no me quieres Piensas que yo he de morir Que me sirva otro trago Tan dinero yo los pago para calmar este sufrir Dinero yo los pago para calmar este su 